today on Broadway for Thursday, January 24th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. First off, I have to start. Happy anniversary to my parents. I won't say what how many years it's been, but it is um, two away from 40. So uh, I don't want to spoil anything there for you. So uh, anyway, happy anniversary to them. Also tonight, the uh, Broadway revival of True West will open at the American Airlines Theater via Roundabout Theater Company. So we will have those reviews for you tomorrow. And of course, we are coming to you early on Thursday morning because last night I saw a show called Hamilton, James, at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts here in Orlando, Florida. I would tell you that you could you should go and get tickets, but it's Hamilton, and unless you want to mortgage your house, you're not getting tickets at this point. But, um, but James, I feel uh, like it, it's really unnecessary at this point to say it, but that show is really good. <laughs> I was seeing a lot of uh, hashtag Hamilton Orlando. Lots of folks uh, winning the lotteries, at least is a chance of a lottery, right? There's a lottery. Everyone in my family has been mandated to enter it every day. Um, that is a rule. I went with my brother last night. And, you know, James, it's really interesting because I've seen the show in New York twice and mostly with the same cast because I saw it in November of 2017 and March of 2018. So it was mostly the same cast. And in fact, I saw Javon McFerrin, who was the standby for Alexander Hamilton both times. He was on for Javi and then Michael Luwaye. Um, But he was he was great. But when I saw it last night, it was you know, with a completely different crew, it gave me a new appreciation for just how good the material is because both Hamilton and Burr, uh, played by Joseph Morales and Nick Walker, gave completely different interpretations than McFerrin and Daniel Breaker did that I saw on Broadway. And that just fascinates me because all of them were completely valid and supported by the text and the music and made perfect sense and and worked in the context of the show. But they were so different, um, which is the type of theater thing that I love. That's why I love theater more than any other art form is because you can get these different things. And again, I, I won't get into a huge review or breakdown because it's Hamilton and uh, it was great. But Walker was especially fantastic as this increasingly exasperated burr with like anger boiling up under the surface that he was able to keep in check when he was with everybody else, but just let loose when he was like doing his, um, you know, inner monologue type solos. Uh, it was fantastic. Also great comments. Shoba Narayan's Eliza was amazing. Like her voice is phenomenal. She's actually leaving the tour in the middle of this Orlando run, but she was breathtaking and when Eliza sings about the orphanage that will never not make me cry mm-hmm. um, so good on her and then the last guy I want to talk about real quick is Fergie L. Philippi he is playing Mulligan in Madison and he was great I've never heard of this guy he it looks like he's pretty young but a ton of talent so um, keep an eye out for that name and then um, I, I have to thank my friend Aaron J. Albano who, who plays Samuel Seabury and is in the ensemble he uh, invited my brother and I backstage uh, after the show so we got to uh, uh, see the, the Hamilton set and got to take pictures on the set. So uh, so that was a ton of fun. Okay, first up in the news, Audrey McDonald and Michael Shannon coming to Broadway in May. Yes, James. Now, news of this has been in the rumor mill for a while now. Uh, in fact, it has been whispered about so much 
that when it didn't happen for this season, I just kind of assumed that the whispers weren't true. But yesterday, the rumblings were confirmed as it was announced that six-time Tony winner Audra McDonald and Tony nominee and two-time Academy Award nominee Michael Shannon would be coming to Broadway this May in Terrence McNally's two-hander, Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune. James, I, I think you were actually off this day, but we actually talked about it on this show um, back in November. So this is something that's been public. It's not like insiders have been gossiping. It's, uh, it's been rumored and, and publicly so. But the show, which will mark the Broadway debut of director Aaron Arbus, is about a lonely waitress and a short order cook whose first date turns into a one night stand and maybe more. This strictly limited 16-week Broadway engagement will begin previews in May of 2019 at a Schubert Theater to be named later. We'll come back to that. And will be produced by Hunter Arnold, Debbie Bisno, and Tom Curtehy, McNally's husband. Now, James, as I consult my handy-dandy spreadsheet and my um, Broadway real estate map with all of the red yarn going everywhere, um, I, I, I have some theories because there really aren't a ton of options available for Schubert houses this spring. As we've talked about before, pretty much everything is booked for this year. Now the logical location would be the Belasco as network is currently scheduled to close its extended run in April. However, follow me here. If that was the plan, wouldn't they just say that Frankie and Johnny is going into the Belasco after a network finishes its extended run in April? I mean, that seems Obvious, wouldn't they just say that? So that makes me think that there could perhaps be something else afoot. One, maybe we will see another network extension, and that's why it's not being announced to go into the Belasco. And two, if that happens, maybe that means that we'll see another open-ended show, which, i.e., a musical, announce a late spring closing to make room for the show. So there is also, the potential, of course, that it could go into a house for a show that hasn't opened yet, but they think might close before, you know, after right after Tony nominations. But that seems unlikely considering this announcement feels really strong and substantive. And that scenario presumes a lot and would be a tight fit. So we are left with a couple of options. But if we look at the shows on our watch list, James, when it comes to Schubert houses, you've got the band's visit at the Barrymore and Anastasia another show written by Terrence McNally and produced by Arnold and Curtihy at the Broadhurst. So uh, if I had to guess, um, I, that would be my guess. Um, but um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. That would also explain why they haven't announced the theater and just said, you know, to be named later um, because they haven't had a closing announcement for Anastasia or where, whatever else. But this announcement seems pretty substantive and super exciting. Um, so we'll have to see what happens in the coming weeks, because uh, I assume they're going to want to get this uh, started to be on sale fairly soon. Yeah, I uh, I agree with your analysis there. The um, interesting the band's visit has had, had uh, grossest problems in the in the recent uh, couple of weeks, uh, and but Anastasia seems pretty solid, doesn't it? Or my um, it is not. It, it's been in um, the 600 range and has not oh. officially announced its recoupment yet. Um, it was one of those things where we assumed it announced that it was expected to recoup by the time the show went out on tour last fall. But it never announced its recoupment, which makes me think that maybe they had to take out another loan um, for some reason and it hasn't yet recouped. So um, if I had to guess, that would be where the tea leaves point me. But of course – 
who the hell knows until it's announced. But um, that would be that would be my assumption. And also because and again, just because casting has been finalized, uh, that doesn't mean a show is not going to cancel I, or close, i.e. once on this island and Michelle Williams. But a, I would expect an announcement fairly soon for a fairly recent Tony nominee to be taking over. Uh, for Katrina Link fairly soon. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, um, so maybe that's an indication that they do plan on going at least through the summer. Do you think there's any possibility that the producers would try to recast Cranston in network? No, I mean, I mean, they, they, uh, no, I don't think they would do that, but I just don't know. I mean, I haven't seen it, but from everything that I've heard, I don't know who has the presence and the stamina to do that. That just seems like that is, I mean, and, and, and has the name to draw it. Obviously there's a ton of, of theater actors. You could probably do it, but they're not going to draw like Cranston is. Hmm, that's true. All right. Uh, we'll keep our eyes open on that. Uh, next up, the Michael Jackson musical officially announces its road to Broadway. Yeah, James, I'm going to give Miss Cleo partial credit on this one, because when I discussed the show yesterday, I presumed that following the major ad buy on Tuesday, that the announcement of an out of town tryout would be coming on Wednesday. That was correct. However, I got the city wrong. Uh, as indicated by their domain, the forthcoming Michael Jackson musical featuring a book by Lynn Nottage and directed and choreographed by Christopher Wielden will, in fact, be called Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which isn't the MJ song title that I would have gone with, but I'll allow it. Um, anyway, the show will be making its world premiere in Chicago at the newly renamed James M. Niederlander Theater, formerly the Oriental, with performances running from October 29th through December 1st of this year, with an eye on coming to Broadway in 2020. Um, I thought that it might be going to Boston, but we'll talk about that here in a second. In an interview with Chris Jones from the Chicago Tribune, Nottage said, quote, this is not a Cirque du Soleil show. This is not a tribute show, nor a hagiography. How we are endeavoring to tell the story of one moment or I'm sorry, we are endeavoring to tell the story of one moment in the life of a very complicated man whose life was very fraught. Now, that moment will reportedly surround the making of Jackson's 1992 and 1993 Dangerous Tour, a 17-month massive tour, had millions of dollars in uh, costume budget, seven, over 700 traveling employees that had to end early because of a lawsuit that alleged inappropriate behavior with a 13-year-old boy against Jackson. Now, James, normally I don't get too excited about biomusicals, but one, Michael Jackson's catalog overlaps perfectly with my formative years. My mom still tells stories about me um, putting a glove on my left hand and watching my reflection as I danced in the uh, tube TV. Um, so that is has sentimental value for me. But also, even though this is being produced by his estate this creative team is super fascinating um the story that they seem to be telling is compelling and it's lynn freaking nottage writing it as good as i'm sure those paychecks are i can't imagine that she would be involved if she wasn't going to be able to really delve into jackson's complexities so i agree with you i mean lynn nottage is not somebody who uh right I, I think we'd sell out art for a paycheck, uh, and it's exactly. a great opportunity to tell this uh, story. And um, I totally forgot about the Dangerous Tour uh, and the lawsuit and things like that. All I remember is the Pepsi commercial mm -hmm. that seemed to be a pivotal point in Michael Jackson's life where there was a before and after, and it seems as though that... 
I, if I'm remembering this correctly, that's where he, he started getting pain management after the right. accident and in, and devolved from there. So uh, I'm very interested to see if this is a uh, a kind retelling or an accurate retelling, but with Lynn Nottage there. It, right, exactly. And, and Christopher Wielden, too, like he seems like such a not obvious choice to direct and choreograph this mm-hmm. that I'm actually really fascinated by it. If it was just going to be somebody – and I don't know – I mean, I could come up with some so you think you could dance names, but I don't know if they would work. But like if you would have come up with a hip hop type choreographer who was just going to recreate his moves and put him up on stage, like, okay, that's fine. But like the fact that Christopher Wielden comes from the the ballet world and and that type of dance, it really fascinates me. But anyway, I, I said I wanted to get to Boston. So on yesterday's show, I supposed that this show could end up at Boston's Colonial Emerson Theater. Clearly, Miss Cleo got that wrong. But I'm sure that whatever ends up at the venerated Beantown tryout venue will be magic. Mike Jackson's musical would have been great there since uh, the timing, according to the Emerson, uh, we'll be having an announcement today or tomorrow. But uh, just throwing that out there, read between the lines, and uh, we'll see what happens. (laughs) All right. Uh, hmm. Theater on screen news. Yeah, we've got a few bits of things that I wanted to put together here real quick uh, yesterday, James. First up, yesterday, FX announced that the upcoming limited series Fosse Verdon, starring Sam Rockwell and Gwen Verdon, not to mention a whole – I'm sorry, <laughs> Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams <laughs> as Fosse and Verdon. Gwen Verdon is dead yep. and not – Starring in this. Um, Anyway, that will premiere on FX on April 9th. Also yesterday, we learned that the upcoming London stage adaptation of the classic film All About Eve will be broadcast worldwide via NT Live in April. The show, of course, will be directed by Eva Van Hova and will star Gillian Anderson and Lily James. And is produced by Sonia Friedman Productions and uh, Fox Stage Productions, which leads me to imagine that we will see it in New York in due time. And finally, in this section, James Pipeline, a show I know that you loved when it was off Broadway, will air on live from Lincoln Center on February 9th in honor of Black History Month. Yeah, Dominique Moriso's play starred Karen Pittman and Namar Smallwood and is also available on Broadway HD. Check your local listings for time and channel. So let's go off script for a second here. Um, You got an additional follower yesterday, didn't you? Uh, On on. Twitter? On Twitter, on the Twitter, I I, I had honestly because of Hamilton, I, I have not been on social media since I posted my Playbill picture, so I don't know. Did I? Did someone famous follow me? Uh, my wife, my wife followed you. <laughs> uh, she doesn't follow me on Twitter. Okay, she followed okay, you. Nice. She told well, you me. don't. You don't. You don't post on Twitter. Uh, not much. Uh, no. Everything now and then, but not much. That's true. Uh, it's, uh, Stephen Pasquale retweeted you. He did, yes. Uh, Stephen Pasquale uh, retweeted you, which instigated my wife, you know, who worships everything Stephen Pasquale. Uh, she said, well, if if she, if Stephen's retweeting Matt, then I'm following Matt. Uh, <laughs> and, but funny. anyway, right. th- this actually does mean something other than just uh, joking yes. about this, is that the Stephen retweeted the, um, the talk about American Son that you had uh, going to Netflix and uh and Stephen talked about the importance of netflix Netflix's investment in uh live theater, and that uh in reading through some of the tweets it seems like this is going to be uh uh, uh something that's going to happen more often. This is not just a one off investment in American Sun so. um 
which makes me think about Broadway HD again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is Broadway HD set to go up against Netflix and Gordon Greenberg's um, uh, streaming service that you talked about yesterday as well? Um, I, I wonder if uh, there will be consol- what, what Wall Street calls consolidation in the market, where Netflix buys Broadway HD or buys some of the other smaller streaming services that are covering theater. But I really think that 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 if Netflix is going down that road or Amazon is going down that road, you have competing services right now. We have to keep our eyes on that because uh, they could either accidentally quash Broadway HD. Uh, or, or not accidentally. Yeah, or not accidentally, but uh, buy their catalog and things like that. These are things that we should uh, – they're very subtle things, announcements that we've had over the last couple of days, but I think that they're big. Yeah, and what Steve, yeah, what Stephen said real quick is that um, – I'll just read his quote. If Netflix does for theater what it has done for comedy and world-class plays and musicals are streamed into the homes of millions of people, it is a game-changer forever. Hashtag accessibility, hashtag affordability, and hashtag convenience. He makes a great point about comedy is the, the comedy stand-up special, which was really relegated only to HBO and maybe comedy. Central to a lesser degree has become a huge selling point for Netflix because they produce it so they own the rights to it. And if they can figure out a way to do that for theater, I think that's huge. And so I we talk about this all the time here on this show, James. So um, I just echoed that I I feel this in my bones, that this is important in an important way to diversify and expand the theater going audience and theater creatives. And, and, um, so I'm hoping that you're right, but I also hope that it, it's not done in a way that completely puts Stu and Bonnie, um, out of business in a negative way over at Broadway HD. Well, I would foresee it like, uh, Apple buying beats and Dr. Dre and Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. you know, they'd bring in Stu and Bonnie to run that division of Netflix, hopefully. Not uh, a bad idea. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what do we have in show and casting news? Okay. Yesterday, the Weislers announced that Eddie Jemison will be joining the Broadway production of Waitress as Ogie beginning on February 11th. Now, this is notable because this will be Jemison's Broadway debut, despite being a fixture in the Chicago theater scene and on TV and film. He was one of the Ocean's Eleven. 12 and 13 uh, <laughs> on the big screen and is currently recurring on iZombie. I'm very sad about the upcoming final season and Chicago Med. But it is also notable because Jemison played Ogie in the original film version of Waitress. Jemison's run won't exactly coincide with that of Joey McIntyre, um, but it'll be close. McIntyre will be playing Dr. Pometer from February 4th through April 7th, while Jemison will be returning to the role that he originated from February 11th through April 28th. There's still no word who will play Jenna during those overlapping runs, but the phenomenal Stephanie Torns did post that she was rehearsing with McIntyre on social media. Of course, she's the, the resident standby under study Jenna, so that might have just been for rehearsal purposes, but nonetheless, it is an option. Next up, yesterday, the La Jolla Playhouse in California announced that it will premiere Keith Bunnan's play The the Coast Starlight this fall, and then in February, they will present the world premiere of new musical Fly based on J.M. Barry's Peter Pan. The book will be by (laughs) – we'll get back to that. The book will be by uh, acclaimed playwright Rajiv Joseph, who will co-write the lyrics with Kirsten Childs of Bubbly Black Girl fame, while Tony, Emmy, and Grammy winner Bill Sherman, also known as King Sherman to Freestyle Love Supreme fans, will write the score. But that's not all, though, as the show will be directed – 
by legendary Tony winning producer Jeffrey Seller. We've talked about this uh, show before. So now that we have some plans, the show will run at La Jolla from February 18th through March 29th. Um, but James, between this and MCC's Alice by Heart, I think Al, uh, I think our friend Adam Free, uh, Felt, man, I'm just <laughs> stumbling over this one. Uh, our friend Adam Feldman uh, from Time Out New York had a really good point when he posted on Twitter earlier this week, quote, dear theater people. No more Peter Pan adaptations and no more Alice in Wonderland adaptations. I'm sorry, but these are the new rules. Um, I'd, I'd forgotten about Fly when he mentioned that, but he is absolutely right. Um, but anyway, finally, and this is more of a recommendation than show news, but I've got a video in the show notes of George Salazar singing Michael in the Bathroom from the Be More Chill Media Day. And folks, get ready to hear this song a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. Uh, this is kind of the the standout anthem from the show, and it will be one of those songs that any teenage theater kid will be singing for many, 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 many years to come. Michael Dale keeps on posting pictures of himself in a bathroom. No. <laughs> Of course. So, uh, yeah, the Peter Pan adaptations. Uh, I, I replied to Adam's thing on Facebook, and I said, if they had only had this rule before finding Neverland. <laughs> well. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to, t- to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Follow me like James's uh, wife does. Mm, and don't forget that this week on Broadway Live episode with... No, that's wrong. Just kidding. My name yeah. is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. It's actually Thursday. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm confused now. <laughs> and uh, Matt and I will be back to talk with you tomorrow. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, Matt and I will be back with talk with you tomorrow. Have a great one. Stay out of the rain. It's going to rain like oh four inches today. Oh, it's pouring. It's loud. There's been thunder and lightning already. Oh.